Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Miracles in Recovery. It is May 21st. May twenty yeah. first. Wow! Uh, again, I, I, it just it just blows my mind how how years pass. You know, when I was a kid in school, it seemed like it took forever to get to summer. Oh yeah, from August to June was just horrible. Yeah, and and, now and then summer just, flew. Now it just whips. You know, um, and fortunately enough, we are back live again tonight. I uh, had a little uh, a little alarming. Um, something or other going on inside of me last week and I had to go sit a few days in the hospital. Nothing that medication hasn't taken care of. But You look um, a lot better than you did the last time I saw you, which was in the hospital. Yeah, and I, 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 that's right. You came and see me Monday night during the show. Um, we did our own show in, in, uh, in the hospital. I Nobody, just had to make sure they weren't going to kill you. Yeah, no, they're, they're pretty good over there. I, yeah, that's I, a nice know, hospital. They're, they're pretty good. They're new, so they're not, yes. uh, so they're kind of And on you the didn't ball. have a roommate or anything horrible like that? No, that's the great thing, that that whole hospital is single bed. Yeah. That whole hospital. How, how they do that, I don't know. Because now, the rooms aren't even big enough to be able to put doubles. They would have to reconstruct the whole thing in order to add another bed in that yeah, room. Yeah, I haven't seen too many double rooms in a long time. Uh, and. Joe was telling me the last time he was in the hospital up in uh, Massachusetts, there were three other people in the room with him. Oh, yuck. Nah, that's I think crazy. Just, yeah, if you're sick, well, yuck. I'm here, Ellen here, and our dear friend David Essel is on the line tonight. Hi, David. How are you? Oh, Ray, Ellen, great to be back with you guys. Great to, you know, I would go into like this book and that book, but he has a library of books and he has so many. That I would it would take the whole show to, to name them all. So, David, if you want, give us the, the the two most recent ones and how people can get to them, read them, and reach out and speak to you. Oh, awesome, Ray. Yeah. Well, you know, for, for because this is a recovery show, when we talk about being in recovery from anything, any type of addiction, or even being challenged and stressed in life, that's what my books are for. You know, we have stories and. The two books you mentioned, they both became number one bestsellers. We have stories in there about people like in in the most recent one called Focus, Slay Your Goals. We've got a story about uh, Tom that was uh, an opiate alcoholic for 30 years and through our program got him sober. Um, And then we have, you know, awesome stories about like a girl, Angela, that doubled her income in 90 days following the program. So the one book is Focus, Slay Your Goals. That's the newest one. The forward is from my friend, celebrity Jenny McCarthy, um, and we, we go into, like, shattering the nonsense of the law of attraction and all this other stuff, and, and then, guys, you know, we just give people the simple, real keys to change your life. In the book before that, which also went number one, called Positive Thinking Will Never Change Your Life, but this book will, mm-hmm. and I always laugh when I talk about it because I am, without a doubt, one of the most positive people in the world. And so friends of mine will always look at me and go, why would you write a book with that title? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're always so upbeat and you're always so this. And and I said, exactly, because the subtitle is, is really the key. So the title of the book is Positive Thinking Will Never Change Your Life, but this book will. And then the subtitle, we do, we just give it right to you. 
the myth of positive thinking, the reality of success. And, you know, on your show, you guys share about the reality of recovery. And in our books, we want people to move away from the law of attraction and the secret and all those kind of things and get real, you know, and get right. real. And, and so you can get more information on the books and the, the counseling work I do, the life coaching work I do at our website, which is super easy to remember, talkdavid.com, talkdavid.com. And for people that have never heard me as a guest on these two awesome people's show, I've been in recovery for quite a long time. Cocaine and alcohol were my drugs of choice. And then I crossed over to codependency addiction and relationships, which Ellen knows something about. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, it, and, She's got you pegged. What's that? I said, you got her pegged. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> and, and you know what, Ellen, and, and we say in our work in 2002, we labeled codependency by far the largest addiction in the world. We believe if you put all the alcoholics and drug addicts in a pile, it wouldn't come close to the number of codependents struggling in this Oh, ab- absolutely. Oh, yeah. I totally well, it, it goes along with the, the thing that I've always heard for, for every alcoholic or addict. There are at least five other people who have been horribly affected. Those are all their codependents that are yeah. hanging around trying to fix them. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and can I ask you a question? I'm just curious. Why do you think when you stop one drug of choice or behavior, you switch to another one? Wow. What a great question. Cross addiction. That's the the term, right? So, so let's look at the purpose of addiction. The purpose of addiction is to put us in an altered reality out of this life. Mm -hmm. So, if it's a spending addiction, a food addiction, alcohol, nicotine, food, the whole purpose of addiction is to get us out of the reality so we don't have to deal with the anger, the shame, the guilt, the peer pressure. You know, so we, we look for, it could be a substance, it could be a behavior. And, and so we look for a way to get into an altered state, which is what all addictions do. And for a short period of time, whether you're shopping and spending more than you should on uh, eBay or you're smoking, or you're mindlessly eating as you watch mind-numbing television, mm-hmm. you're not in reality. So No, that's very true. Yeah, you know, and, and so what happens is, is that, and, and this is what happened to me, when I gave up alcohol, I went straight and became a voracious sugar addict. Yeah, I've heard um, that a yeah, lot. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've actually witnessed it a lot. I've seen a lot of people get, you know, very heavy. Yeah. And, and the reason why that works so effectively is sugar hits the same um, mind-numbing, emotion-numbing area of the brain that alcohol does. And if you look at all alcohol, there's only one alcohol that doesn't have sugar in it, and that's vodka made from potatoes. Besides that, wine, beer, any of the darker liquors especially, they're chock full of sugar. Mm-hmm. So when someone – and, and my, my – uh, alcohol of choice was wine, which is pure freaking sugar. Uh, so when I stopped, my brain was craving something to get into an altered state. And when you eat enough sugar, you go into an altered state. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, God. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you, have you ever heard, you ever seen like a, a, a child anticipating a candy bar? Well, yeah, I used to. You know to. what I mean? And, and be, because, like, after, like, I used to eat bags and bags of jelly beans, even though they tasted nasty. 
Mm-hmm. I had to I had to chase that that sugar fill like you said after I got clean I d- devoured sugar yeah. devoured it and but you're not getting high like you're, you're not no, out but of it, your like mind. you said it you hits that same stimuli like that. it hits that same stimuli point and that point of your mind at that point is is satisfied you know, here's here's a, a way to look at it. Um, if you're and and <clears throat> as we age, usually sugar has an excitatory effect on the brain with children. Right. But it it's interesting after the brain matures, which happens about and when I say mature, I mean physiologically, not emotionally. I was going to say because mine never did. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of us that never mature emotionally. But, but, but physiologically, the brain fully matures at about 25. And many times you'll find that when people eat, a, you know, when I say a large amount of sugar, it could be six Oreos would be a large amount of sugar. Right. So if someone were to eat sh- six Oreos and they're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, you're going to see more of a relaxation response. A lot of, you know, we, we, we teach a holistic addiction recovery program, which is for food and alcohol and drugs and nicotine and everything else, most of my food addicts that I work with will consume high carbohydrates like sugar in the evening, which numbs them and relaxes them for the time that they're eating the food, and then they go to bed. And then what there's, there's called a rebound effect. So let's say that you eat your 6, 10, 20, 30 Oreos, and you go to bed at 10 or 11, Usually about four hours later, blood sugar levels drop back to normal because when you're eating that amount of sugar, blood sugar levels skyrocket. Mm-hmm. You have a feeling of relaxation. You start to calm down. If you're bored, you're no longer bored. If you're anxious, you're no longer anxious with the adult brain and sugar. And it really works. I can tell you, when I used to devour sugar at night after I quit drinking, it worked. And, you know, I'd all of a sudden start to get sleepy and I go to bed, but for me and a lot of people, about four to six hours later, when the sugar wears off and the blood sugar levels drop, we have incredibly irritable sleep. Toss, turn, we don't wake up feeling very refreshed at all. Makes sense. You know, so, so yeah, and, you know, the cross addiction, I remember um, a girl that I dated when she went into a, a treatment center, uh, she came out a smoker. <laughs> which ended the, I think which ended the that happens a lot. Right yeah. Yeah. You know, if, if you look at 12-step meetings, people become caffeine addicts and nicotine addicts. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately enough that, fortunately enough, I, I ruined my system enough with cocaine that I can't drink coffee because it just messes me right up. I, I drink a cup of coffee. I have to go to bed. Really? Yeah, so I, you, I just well, can't. I just but can't you had ADHD, it. so yeah, I can. Well, stimulants yeah, might have I, the opposite effect. I mean, I can drink tea. I can, I can, I can ingest caffeine, but for some reason, coffee just blows my mind. Yeah, you, you know what, guys, I've found in 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 my body, and Ray, what you just said triggered something. And with all these clients I'm working with, what might work, like in the world of of you know, uh, Nyquil is alcohol. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so if you're an alcoholic and you quit drinking, and let's say you haven't drank for a couple of years, and then you drink NyQuil, about 
75% of my clients who are in our recovery program that get the flu, get a cold, and they drink NyQuil, they cannot sleep. Right. When your brain has been clean for a number of years and you reintroduce a substance that it normally was used to consuming on a daily or weekly basis, brain chemistry can change so dramatically, just like what you were saying, Ray, that... Mm -hmm. What you used to be able to ingest and it have no negative effect, all of a sudden the brain can't handle it. And it was interesting because when I went from no alcohol to sugar, my brain was so used to such a high amount of sugar every day that it, that the sugar, the candy, and, and, and my big thing was cake, the icing especially. <laughs> oh, I love yeah. icing. <laughs> You're starting to scare me, David. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Know. Just a just a just a real quick thing. We were in um, shopping in Whole Foods uh, last night, and my my granddaughter was pointing at one of the one of the little cupcakes with with all the sugar on all the sugar on all the frosting on it. And uh, my daughter said, "No, I'm not going to get that for her because all she does is eat the frosting." You know, and I said, "Well, that's a kid after my heart." Mine too, but yeah. you know, yeah. my daughter used to scrape it off the addict and mm. only eat the cupcake. Wow. Uh, yeah, she's weird anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, like like the icing is like mainlining sugar. Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah. Just yeah. Powdered yeah. sugar and a little yep. bit of butter, maybe. Yeah, it's it's like let's mainline, and that's what I wanted. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the interesting thing is that's what my brain wanted, and until I gave it that fix, I was never calm at night. And so you can believe that, you know, when I went from clean, it wasn't very long. I think it was less than 30 days before I was just devouring sugar at night. Yeah. And I felt that same calmness. And it's the same thing with nicotine. You know, the reason why it's so effective is that nicotine is the most powerful anti-anxiety agent that you can get over the counter. And if you think about anti-anxiety, Anti-anxiety like clonopin, Xanax, or nicotine calms the emotions, numbs the anxiety, the boredom, the anger, the rage, the, the shame, the guilt, which is why we cross a dick because we haven't been trained how to deal with these emotions. And eventually we'll start trying different things. Like, you know, when my, the, the girl I was dating at the time, when she came home and I, I said, are you? do I smell cigarette smoke on you? And of course, you know, being the classic alcoholic addict, she lied. Right. It, always, you know, it, it was, it was the people that dropped and brought me home, you know, and then, yeah, it, it was in their car. They were smoking. Yeah. And then exactly. she's sneaking out behind the house afterward. <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, and, and it wasn't that long until all of a sudden, you know, this was the most important thing to her to calm her brain and most of us do it, Alan. You know, I mean, most of us somehow we will find a substance, a behavior in order to get that fix. But isn't that better than than doing, you know, alcohol or drugs? That not necessarily. If you if you if well, you're, but you endanger yourself and others. You know, if you get behind the wheel of a car, if you eat a bunch of sugar, you're probably not going to cause a wreck. Well, you yeah, know, you don't know. I mean, you can black out from eating that much sugar if you, <laughs> well, you know. I, it just—it seems to me like it, it, you're exchanging one substance for another, but it's not as yeah, bad. Yeah, but with the lesser of two evils, what are you really doing? You know what I mean? Like, well, uh, you're looking giving yourself at it, a chance, aren't you, to you know do um, some work to get better, maybe? 
Well, you know, when, when people quit smoking cigarettes and they go to e-cigarettes, that's the big claim with e-cigarettes, right? Yeah. Is that it doesn't have the tar and it doesn't have the formaldehyde and it doesn't have all these other things. And sure, there's a benefit to that. But the downside is, is that, first of all, with e-cigarettes, there's no regulation. You know, the amount of nicotine that you'll get through one e-cigarette could be totally different or, or the vape could be totally different than another one. And, and we are still keeping the brain addicted to a drug. We aren't learning coping mechanisms. So when you right. switch from alcohol yeah. to sugar, yes, Alan, you're right. Sugar initially is much better for you than alcohol. But if you keep that ingestion up, the number of individuals in this country with type 2 diabetes, which can also lead to amputation, blindness, right. just like type 1, the number of people that struggle with heart disease, which is caused by sugar, believe it or not. Sugar is one of the greatest causes of inflammation in the body. If someone has arthritis, sugar will flare that damn arthritis up. If someone struggles with chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia, you're screwed if you're eating a lot of sugar. Let's, so, let's, uh, let's leave this right here for a second because we're coming up on a break that we need to go to, and we can pick this up on the other side. If somebody wants to call in and ask David a question about all the sugar that he ingested, dial 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. We'll be back in a moment. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with host Nancy Kerala. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. Together with her guests, we'll explore C. diff infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Ready to transform your health and your world? Join host Melissa Alexander for Insight Living with Vitality. Melissa and her guests go behind the scenes on what it takes for practitioners and clients to transform themselves and others. She provides insight to medical procedural breakthroughs, available product resources, and explains lifestyle choices designed to improve and expand your vitality. It's time to get rid of that baggage, remove those blockages, and prevent buildup from hindering your progress in life. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness.
You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, and we're back, and we have David Essel on the line. We were speaking about codependency and cross addiction cross addiction and when we were when we were texting back and forth david earlier uh, you said something about you did a teleconference tonight yeah. on the causes and this is the word that really piqued my um, inquisitive uh, nature cures of alcoholism can you share a little bit about what that teleconference was about Oh, yeah, I would love to, Ray. Now, you know, for people that are used to traditional recovery talk, it's going to sound like I'm from Mars, so prepare yourself. <laughs> no, but see, I, I set it up so that, like, what, um, you know, what the teleconference, like, how many people were on it and all of that good stuff so that we get a good, a good mind for what it is that you were doing. Well, we'll get a report later on tonight. From, but I, I don't know uh, the number of people that were on it right now. Okay. We usually four to five hours after the teleconference is over. But, you know, so we'll, we'll break it down into causes first. So one of the, and, and I, I posted last week on social media on Facebook about that the, the cause of, of alcoholism is not what we think it is. You know, we've been told it's genetics, and, and this guy, you know, got really upset with me and said, of course it's genetics, it's just like type 1 diabetes. And, and he fell right into my trap. <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even try to set a trap, but he fell right into it. So what we say is this. If, if alcoholism was like a disease, if it was a disease, and, you know, if it was caused by genetics like type 1 diabetes is, if you have type 1 diabetes and you don't take insulin injections, you will eventually go blind, you will lose your mm-hmm. limbs, and you will die. And that's not being, oh, I'm not being dramatic. That is the truth. You cannot right. mess. And that's a genetic disease. When you're born, you have it. There is no such comparison of a genetic disease with alcoholism. If a child is born with fetal alcohol syndrome, he or she will go through withdrawal, and the doctors will know it right away, and they'll be able to give the baby some medication, and over the course of a day or two or three days, the baby will be completely free of alcohol in their system. The withdrawal is over. That's not the case with type 1 diabetes. No, that's true. It's always there. Yeah. It's always there. And so that's when I say to people, let's stop the nonsense calling this a disease, calling it caused by genetics, because it's not. Alcoholism is a choice. It might be a choice that begins via peer pressure, as it did with me at 12. It might be a choice because you're enraged that you were given to the fourth foster family and you're 16 years of age and you don't know what to do with your rage and then you find alcohol. But alcoholism is caused by our inability to deal with emotions in life. And those emotions suck. There aren't too many kids that I know that are raised and taught how to properly deal with the shame, the guilt, the peer pressure, um, anger, rage. I mean, if you look at teenagers and I'm helping to raise a, a, a teenage girl right now. Lovely. You know, when they, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, when, when they hit puberty and, you know, she started her menstrual cycle and I'm explaining to her what's going on. <laughs> you know, I mean, but 
and, and all of a sudden, you know, something happens and she's crying hysterically mm-hmm. and doesn't know why, you know, well, I mean, because of my background in science and medicine, I enjoy these conversations, you know, I really do. And, and so I'll explain what's going on in the body when she has a clue of what's happening with her body, her ability to then realize, oh, wait a minute, my reaction isn't abnormal. I need to remember these certain days of the month, I'm going to be hypersensitive to criticism. You know, and, and so we can teach kids, but it's rare that we teach kids how to deal with the ups and downs of life. So, right, because... Because right. we really, we really like, you know, I, I, I can look at it as a learned behavior as well, because my parents didn't have the structural soundness to be able to show me how to deal with my emotions anyway, because they didn't know really how to deal with theirs. It, it's so, so it can be somewhat of a learned behavior, but I, I absolutely agree with what it was that you were saying, because it's not, it's not something that a baby is born with. No, not at all. And, and let's go to your point, because it's a great one, right? When it's a learned behavior, which means that it's environmental, we, we pick it up from our environment, right. that also tells us that our parents didn't know how to deal with their emotions as well. So, and, and their parents probably didn't know how to deal with their emotions. So when it comes to a raise, we drink. When it comes to an argument, we drink. When mm-hmm. we come home from work and we go, oh, my God, I'm exhausted. I don't feel like doing anything. Let's have a drink. So we start to equate, if, you know, in the, in the world of alcoholism where it's four or five, six, seven days a week, we start to equate every cue in the environment, the time of day, working, not working. People start to, to use those cues as it's time to have a drink. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, what's that famous Jimmy Buffett song? It's five o'clock somewhere. Uh, yeah. 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 I I know it's, isn't there another one like about 420 or something like that? Oh, with, yeah. 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 <laughs> that, that, you know, but, but these are, these are cues, you know, like, these yeah. are so, so in history, you know, you get out of work at five and, and I remember guys, I, you know, I was raised in Syracuse, New York. And I remember when I was at the university going to school and I, I was playing on the basketball team. And for some reason, we had a, at, at, shoot, what was it, 8 o'clock in the morning, we had to go to this hotel on the other side of town to listen to this coach who was going to be talking from another, uh, another school. So we all drove there in a bus. And, and as we went by this, um, I think it was a china factory. They, they made china plates. They were the, the 8 o'clock crew that worked midnight to 8 was getting out, and, of course, the other crew was coming in. And you see this long line of, of, for lack of a better word, construction workers walking across the street at this red light directly into a bar at 8 in the morning. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Now, that's not normal, but what is that? That's their 5 o'clock. That's a queue. We're mm-hmm. on a work. It's, it's time to drink. So when we look at what causes alcoholism, you know, and one of my greatest passions is to debunk, debunk the myth that it's caused by your genes. And, and I say to people, if it was a genetic disease, the only individuals walking on the face of the earth who are sober would had to have either had a pharmacological agent, a drug, or surgery 
that they take or they have taken every day if alcoholism was a disease. Well, how do we account for millions upon millions of people that will never drink again who do it without any kind of outside intervention? If it was caused by genetics, it would be impossible to heal without some kind of medical help, just like with type 1 diabetes or any other disease. Well, let me ask you a question, though. How is it that, and I'm thinking about my high school experience. You know, I grew up in the 70s, and really all we had to do was drink and and smoke marijuana, right? Yeah. And so all of us partook in that, and some people got caught up in the disease, well, got, became alcoholics or addicts, and some did not. You know, I was one of the ones who didn't. What is the difference? You know, we were all drinking the same amount. Well, there's, there's two differences. One is, if someone has the genome, and that is hereditary, and that is passed down for alcoholism, that is, has nothing to do with the cause of drinking the first one, two, or three drinks. But if you're like me in my family history, where I had an aunt that died a horrid death of alcoholism, uncle, many other aunts and uncles that were alcoholics that, thank God, didn't die the way she died, um, when that gene is released, the craving that pit that can't be filled will be released. But that has nothing to do with why we put it to our mouth and drink it. And mm-hmm. that's right. the big difference. That's, that's the huge difference. Now, here's something else, because it's a great question, Ellen. If someone becomes an alcoholic, you can become an alcoholic without any gene in your system. And that's called a habitual use addiction, meaning that when you started at 15 and you found that you could escape boredom or you could be accepted by people in the world, you just carry that on habitually. And it, has, it might have nothing to do with your genes. It could just be that you've learned a behavior, just like overeaters learn to escape emotion via eating. Emotional spenders learn that they can get out of their own head and get excited by getting something on sale even though they can't afford it. So you can create an addiction through habitual use over time and become an alcoholic and it have nothing to do with your genes at all. That makes sense. Yeah, it really does. Because I always wondered, I was thinking about that today, you know, why some people ended up getting caught by it and some of the rest of us were able to walk away after a certain point of maturity, really. I mean, when I got into my major in college, I didn't have time to go out and party and do all that stuff. So I stopped. Oh, yeah. You did. You just didn't do it correctly. You had plenty of time to drink. <laughs> no, I really didn't. I did not. I, I was slammed because I had to make up for the two, first two years when I was partying. So I was like taking 21 hours a semester and working 20 hours a week. You know, something that something that you were saying, David, when you were talking about, you know, like the guys walking across from the mill into the bar and all of that. Um, if you notice, I don't necessarily do it today, but when I was younger... My neighborhood or my directions always centered around a package store, a bar. Uh, you know, you go down to O'Malley's Tavern, you take a left, you see Skippy's package store, and there's the fourth house, fourth house on the right. You know, I never used a church as a location. I never used a baseball mm-hmm. field. I always used something that had to do with alcohol as my uh, reservation point for directions. So that is, you know what I mean? Like you're, you, you are programming yourself at that point 
And I don't know if that's some kind of subliminal justification or what, but, um, you know, that's something that I used to always reference, and my whole family did. Well, yeah. where I grew up, there weren't any of those. Right. It was, it was mostly churches, but they had what they called an ABC store, Alcoholic Beverage Control. Mm-hmm. So all you yeah. had to do was stand outside until some, some older person walked by, and they would go in and buy it for us. Or, yeah. even better, we would go to the A&P and buy Mad Dog 2020. There you go. Kids, 16, oh. 15, 16 years old. Or, or we would that. drive to the next county that wasn't dry and just go to bars, and they would serve us. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy when you when you think of it about when you really want to break it down about, you know, the difference between diabetes and, and, and alcoholism. There is a huge difference. And I try not to argue the fact too long or too stiff with the individual who can't get their mind unwrapped around them both being one and the same. If that's what they need to use to keep themselves clean, sober, and on the right path, then I support your effort in believing that. Um, I do think a little bit different because common sense tells me um, that they're not necessarily one and the same. Well, well I, here's I, I, my, go oh, ahead. Alan, yeah, here's my big concern about using the whole genetic thing is that you know, it, it's like the statement, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, once an addict, always an addict. These things are dangerous. When you, mm-hmm. when you call something a genetic disease and someone is looking at you, especially you know, someone that is, is naive or hasn't really experienced much about what the true cause of, of all addictions are, and then they go out, and what do they say? Well, you know what? It's genetic. It's not yeah, my I, I, Yeah. So this is the cross excuse. idea. Yeah. You know? Or if you say, you know, in well-meaning... 12-step rooms and other rooms when they say, you know, well, you know, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, keep coming back because if you don't keep coming back, you're going to use because, you know, you are always going to be an alcoholic. And then that person uses and, well, what have they been fed for the past two days or 25 years? Yeah, you might as well keep doing it because I've blown it now. Yeah, and you know what? It's really not my fault. It, you know, no, and it's it. not. And, and you hear a lot of people come in and out uh, swinging through the door using that as, as a reason or an excuse, not a reason, but an excuse to keep running back out the door. Well, I'm an alcoholic or I'm an addict and this is the cross that I've been bore. So, you know, this yeah. is what I'm going to do. And, and that's really, really dangerous to have that thought pattern because you're going to ultimately end up hurting yourself or someone else. Well, and, you know, and so what we're, what you, the three of us are discussing right now is something, you know, the topic is crucial. We are going against what I refer to as mass consciousness. Mm-hmm. And yes. mass consciousness is, you know, it's, it's an adopted definition accepted by the masses. And mass consciousness is not always good. When we look at where do a lot of these statements come from, and I'm not an anti-12-step guy. I'm more of a, hey, let's use 12-step correctly in 2018. But a lot of this stuff is coming from the 40s and 50s. Right, right. They've never updated their program, which is insane to me. You know, like, how can you be utilizing principles from the 40s and 50s with all the new information we have today about brain chemistry supplementation to decrease cravings. That's just one thing. But there's been so many changes. And, 
you know, but they're still using the terminology from back then. Now, when it was created back then, they were doing the very best they could, and it made sense to them. But let me make another statement just to tell you how insane the 50s were. In the 30s, 40s, and 50s, physicians were encouraging their patients to smoke cigarettes to relax. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is the same era, right? But physicians have updated. I mean, I don't think there's too many physicians that are telling their partner, their, 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 their patients to smoke cigarettes to relax anymore. They I, have, hope, I hope not. I don't think so. <laughs> but, but if we've updated from that insanity of recommending cigarette smoking to help you relax, why hasn't the 12-step community updated their information to match? Well, because we're still the castaway community. You know what I mean? In in that aspect, we're still the, we're still, you know, for mass purposes, the dregs of society. And some of us have just made it out luckily. So there's no real need to say, they look at that and they go, that, that archaic program works and it's working for them. Why do we change it? Why should we change it? It, It's, it's working. And, and it really isn't because the majority of people, I would I would venture to say that when I got clean in 1989, maybe one in 25 were able, you know, like say say that was the number. Now it's probably one in 125 because the program is so archaic. These kids don't have the same understanding of what what I had 30 years ago when I started getting clean. Plus. They're forced into it by the law, yeah. by the rehabs. You know, it's become and, the gold standard. And I know that I know that you have to leave, David. So yeah. we're coming up on a break. So why don't you um, let people know how they can get in touch with you? And of course, you're going to be on a future show. We can pick this up uh, when you get back. And um, just let everybody know how they can get in touch with you. And, and um, we'll say good evening. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you, Ray and Ellen. Yeah. All you have to do is go to my website. Talk. David, T-A-L-K, David.com. Go to talkdavid.com, and you'll be able to find out about all of our books, the Holistic Addiction Recovery Program, and we also offer a lot of other programs, financial freedom, uh, shattering codependency. So just go to talkdavid.com. Check out everything we've got. And Ellen and Ray, I always love being with you guys. Thank you so much for having me on as a guest again. It's fantastic having you. And if you want to call in after break, dial 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. We'll be back in a moment. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you tired of the healthcare system only treating your symptoms and never addressing the root cause? Discover how integrative medicine can resolve health issues through dietary and lifestyle changes and the use of natural supplements. Increase your energy, memory, mood, immune system, sexuality, and more. Join Dr. Sunil Pai and Maureen Sutton to help you take back your health with natural evidence-based solutions. Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you figured out what to attract in your life in order to make it successful? 
There are those who can and those who can learn. Your intensified energy gives you willpower to move the bar forward and be happy. Happy people spread their energy throughout their lives, and once they figure it out, go on to be successful at nearly everything they set their mind to. Join host Ellen Morano and her panel of guest experts and co-hosts on Generate Massive Energy for a Fulfilling Life, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health & Wellness. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin, breast cancer survivors and advocates. They help by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. We got the power to change the world. Is your health where you think it should be? If you're like most people, the answer is probably not. Where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track? The answers start on Occupy Health. Each week, host Dr. Susan Downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider. You'll want to plan for your optimal health with Occupy Health. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. You know, I love when David comes on because he gets to... Uh, he stimulates my mind a little bit more than um, the common focus, like he said, the archaic 30s, 40s, and 50s style of recovery. Um, he's 100% right with it, the program, the way it's laid out today, or the programs, the way they are laid out today, don't necessarily work for everybody. Right. I mean, it, it, there is a, a huge religious basis. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can say higher power and you can say the higher your higher power can be anything. But, right. you know, it was conceived because I believe that Bill W. had some kind of religious experience and it removed but, but the see, craving I, to drink. But one thing that I don't believe in, and this just may be my um, uh, rebellious side, I don't believe that that Bill W. designed this this basic this basic thing that we do. To discard anyone else's free thinking, and and a lot of people do. Like if you, if you and I go to meetings and you're a militant, right, AA or NA, and I say something off the wall, like wow, I went to uh, Christ Fellowship or something like that. I'm I'm not following a proper program in right. your book. Right. The bottom line is is abstinence. The bottom line is is making your life better for for you, for yourself and those who love you and the community. And how you choose to do that. I mean, there are there are certain parameters that you have to act accordingly to within within the meetings or within the halls of whatever it is that you're going to. Like um, you know, if you're if you're on uh, 
methadone in Narcotics Anonymous. Like, can you get up and get a medallion? I don't know. To thine own self be true. I know you really can't, but to thine own self be true, and who am I to tell you that you can't? If you fully believe that you're clean, who am I to tell you? Because I need to worry about my program. Right. You know, I need to worry about what's going on in and with me. And if I'm worried about what's going on with with Susie Q over there, then where am I? So I think that there, you know, free thinking is an awesome thing in the times that we have. I just think they just need to loosen up the regulations of that archaic and I'm saying archaic only because it's that old because of the the, the lineage of it's never really changed. I mean granted it's come up to come up to speed a little bit but I've I've sat in meetings and there were brand new kids at a facility that were brought in on a van and the kids don't know how to act in meetings, and they say, hi, I'm Joey, and I'm 10 years sober. I mean, 10 days sober. And somebody with 17 years clean jumps down their throat and says, we're not sober here, we're clean. Yeah. Hey, welcome, dude. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, exactly. We're glad you're yeah, here. Yeah, so of course, the the adjutant that I do, I immediately raise my hand and say, I'm 28 years sober. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just, just to try to put people back into perspective. I think perspective. that... There needed to be a certain amount of structure, particularly mm-hmm. with you guys, oh, very because much so. you. Oh, very much so. When you I, when need I first that got clean, structure. We you got to learn how to deal with yeah. structure. When I first got clean, we we didn't know any better, and we were we brought our street into right. the meetings, and it was not successful. Right. You know, but I I think that it needs to come up to times. A, a little bit more than what it is. because oh, I the, agree, because you know, it's not working. No. It's really not working, and that's sad, because I think one of the things that it does is it gives you a fellowship. It gives you friends, because mm-hmm. you're in that shame mode, nobody wants me, nobody cares about me. Well, here's a group of people that are just like me, and they do care. And the way that, the way that it's really laid out is... Um, the fellowship that I, that I frequent or have frequented... Um, Focuses on addiction. Doesn't focus on on cocaine. It doesn't focus on alcohol. It doesn't focus on cake. It focuses on addiction as a whole, as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. So that must mean all inclusive, right? It's not exclusive. It's not exclusive for alcohol. It's not exclusive for cocaine. It's not exclusive for whatever. It's all inclusive. Who am I to tell somebody how to act within that all inclusive environment? I'm no one to do that, right? So how someone chooses to act within that, granted there are, like I said, certain parameters to be able to claim uh, clean time or sobriety or whatever it is you want to call. There are certain parameters that you probably should follow, but if somebody wants to claim their seat sober instead of clean. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Welcome, dude. Or if somebody who is is using heroin wants to go to an AA meeting, yeah, you know they should be welcome there as well. Yeah, I mean, I and was that, I was put out of a meeting because yeah. of that, and but, that, I, but that, I used that. That's and and that's what I see. I used that as a reason or a crutch to say, well, I'll show you. Yeah. So who am I to be sitting in a meeting when that was done to me, telling somebody you don't belong just by the way that you addressed yourself? Yeah, that's kind of crazy. You know, and and you're we're we're chasing people away. 
only because of the um, inability to grasp a little bit more out of the concept of what it is that we're doing. You militantly read the black and white, then you're never going to be able to accept society coming in your door other than what it is that you read. Well, that's what I always say. You've got to be able to live in the gray. Yeah. Because there's a lot of gray in life. Yeah. And it's all gray. Yeah. And it, it I don't know. It, it, there is a certain amount of brainwashing, and perhaps initially it's not a bad thing. I think there has to be, yeah. 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 And, you know, know, you work I with. I don't necessarily know if it's brainwashing or you need to addict yourself like that, you know, that code, co. Uh, uh, whatever, um, you need to addict yourself to going to these meetings on a daily basis to be able to change the environment that you are in. Right, I mean, and, and hook up with people who have been through it right. and are willing to work with you to help you. And maybe they can help you and maybe they can't, but they will certainly try. I can tell you, I was not successful when I was clean and I went and stood back on the corner. Right, you just went back out to your I just old went spot. Back, yeah, I, I jumped back in my old ghost and 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 ran like crazy. I had a better shot when I stayed away from there and I gave myself an hour and a half a day of reprieve by listening to others share. Now there were a lot of times when I heard the mess instead of the message, but slowly but surely. All the mess started going away, and it wasn't about the war stories anymore. It was about what people were doing to help themselves. So if in that environment I was, for lack of a better word, shunned because of how I acted or what I said, why would I go back? I know I'm comfortable and welcomed on that corner. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 It would be... A great place, and and I and I'm sure with all of these conventions they do and all of that, they have brought a lot of things up to 1965. Yeah. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I I just know it works for me, and I know that I know that if I embrace the black and white, I'm kind of retarding my. My, my thought process in, in, in my acceptance. Well, and you possibly will retard your spiritual growth because yes. that's the ultimate goal of the program is, is a spiritual renewal mm-hmm. or spiritual discovery. Yeah. You know, they always say it's a spiritual program. I mean, and, there's somebody out there that wrote a book, The 13th Step. And well, I've the, always like, heard that with a no, bad well, no, connotation. No, 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 the real 13th step. In other words, getting on and past and embracing the, the 12 steps and living a full life beyond the confines, for lack of a better word, of the 12 steps. In other words, living your life. Right. Embracing the 24 spiritual principles, but living your life, not, not 13-stepping somebody. It's, it's Somebody wrote a book called The 13th Step, and it's about beyond the 12 steps. Right. Yeah, and, and I never really wrote, uh, read it. But it might be something that we might want to read, and that way we can talk about it. I think that's a good idea. I'll look yeah. for it because that that's interesting to me. Yeah. You know, having been in 12-step programs for friends and families, we go through the, the same yeah. 12 steps and, and are encouraged to do it over and over again, not right. just once. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. you know, the, the second time you go in, you'll 
you'll discover different you'll things about yourself. You'll find something else, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and it's really a journey of self-discovery if you mm-hmm. do it with the right person. Yeah, and it's not, you know, I mean, it's not like you graduate and you get a certificate once you get to 12. No, I mean, you, I thought that to, at first. Yeah. Okay, I'll get through this and then I'll be done with it. No, that's yeah. not how it works at all. Yeah, because, because and it doesn't necessarily mean that once, I mean, it, it's embracing the the spiritual principles of it on and after that point like you don't go from 12 and you have to jump back down to one and militantly go back through it that way that would be reading it black and white and for me if i did that something along the way would tell me buck this yeah you know and i would be hurting myself for doing that so maybe what we might want to do is we might look i'm going to look and see if we can't find that uh that book and we'll read up on it, and maybe we can have a conversation about about what it's about. Because That's a great idea. That interests uh, yeah. me a lot. Be, because it, it it's just an awareness thing, and like like what David said, it's not it's not genetic. Um, and we've also seen other people saying, you know, um, the twelve steps don't work. So there has to be something out there. I mean, if you're not working the twelve steps, and you're staying clean. I support you a whole hundred percent, but I, 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 there are people that militantly say you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Stop. Yeah, because so, most people stop without the 12 steps, without the fellowship. Right, you right. Know, the, the yeah. vast, mm-hmm. From what I understand and what I've read, and believe me, I researched this to death when it first manifested in my family, most people who stop just stop. Yeah. I'm tired of this. I don't want to do it anymore. They hit their saturation point, and yeah. they have the ability to be able to just walk away. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I sort of did that. I mean, yeah. I didn't do it. I wasn't. But, but the, you know, the, the difference is is that, you know, do those people really change their lives for the better no. after? No, no, they don't change so, their thinking. Yeah. They don't yeah. ferret so they're out more all susceptible those issues. Too. So right. they're more susceptible, too. So we have about a minute left, and that came up on us quick. So I guess what we'll just say is. With miracles in recovery, hope is in your corner. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thank you for joining us this week for Miracles in Recovery. Be sure to listen again for another edition with your host, Ray Lynch, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great week. Hope is in your corner.